You're listening to the Geriatric Mamas Podcast with Jessica Raziri and Sonia Tapley. And we're live. Hello. Hi. How's your day going? <laughs> you know, it's going it's going good. Can I just um, say how today went from being it was supposed to be like a super stressful morning for me to like mm-hmm. so chill. <laughs> and I'm just yeah, so happy. Because it was cause, supposed wait, to be well, yeah. So I was supposed to get up. Basically, we were gonna do the two recordings. Mm-hmm. And then Adam threw at me that he was doing his podcast this morning. And I couldn't bring Hayden to his gam gams until noon because she had her Pilates in the morning. And so I was trying to, I had to like do the whole morning thing, morning routine, breakfast, see if I could get him a morning nap in, rush him to gam gams, rush back in time, do our two, do recording, hope that Adam's done his podcast by then, do our two (laughs) recordings and then rush and go get him. And then it was just like, just the idea of it. I was like, we can do it. But it, like, I couldn't afford anybody to be delayed or late or anything. Right, right. It was just no very stressful. Error. Yeah. And then we ended up canceling our second recording, mm-hmm. which worked out. So we were able right. to be more flexible with this one. And then this morning, Adam said that he canceled his podcast. Oh my gosh, it did? What? Yes. So, yeah. So, like, literally, it went from such a stressful morning to just so chill. So, I was able to do like our morning routine. He had a Don't snap. even know what to do with yourself anymore. No, like, leisurely <laughs> drove to Gam Gams, dropped him mm-hmm. off, got to actually get his lunch set up for him. I wasn't just like, here's my child, run out. I could actually just like cook you know, whatever ease you want. into it. Kill you, exactly. So, fine. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just way more chill than what. I was going to be before. So I'm really right. happy about that right now. Right. I love I it. I had that one happens. of those mornings too. Yeah. So, um, one of my cars was being picked up today and this morning and they texted me at nine o'clock last night and they were like, we're going to be in Maine in the morning so we can pick up the car in the morning. And I was actually feeling that stress too. I'm like, well, if you're coming, it's going to have to be early because I'm, I'm going to be busy. I have to bring my daughter to her Mimi's house. And then we got to get working on like whatever I'm working on right now. Um, and I didn't really feel like going down the whole like podcast conversation with somebody I've never met in my life. So, right. Um, <laughs> so he's like, okay, what time? And I was like, I need you to be here between nine 30 and 10 at the very latest to make this work and then this morning we got we rushed we got ready we got everything done they got here at exactly 9 30 they were expecting me to be in a rush and i wasn't at all i was like no we're just gonna bring the the stroller with us drop the car off and then we're gonna go to the park and play at the park and they were like oh Okay. And <laughs> I really this bitch had us rush yeah. over here so she could go to the park. Okay. <laughs> and then shortly after I got home from dropping Annabelle off, I found out that our second podcast was free. And I was like, well, maybe I can go to TJ Maxx and get my shelf that I want. I mean, I've got all this yes. spare time I wasn't expecting to have. So I love it, was- it. I will never, I, I know like some people get so butthurt when people cancel p- plans at the mm-hmm. last minute. No, I will not always embrace a good cancellation because chances are I've overcommitted myself to something and I'm regretting it anyway. And so if you need a hoe out on something, let me know because I'm probably, I will totally embrace it. Usually I will embrace right. 
a good right. cancellation. And I feel like we, we now need to talk about, like, at some point we need to talk about the topic of why we constantly overcommit to the point where we're stressed out. I know. But I think, you know what? I read, I feel like, I feel like it has something to do with like a create, like a creative mindset. Mm -hmm. I read somewhere that like creative people are usually late because they're very <laughs> ambitious with their thought. They, they think that they have more time than they do because they're just very ambitious and they look at the world differently. So I wonder if it's mm -hmm. like something like that. Like it where it's like, like, we that. think that we can like pack in all this shit and it's going to work out totally fine, but like it never works out that way. And I never learned my lesson. So mm -hmm. I don't know. No, I think you're right. But how it mm -hmm. ends up working for me is instead of being late, I over stress and I get there 15 minutes early because my family was oh, you're just one of those. Yeah. My family really like drove <laughs> it into me to never be late. I'm not really sure why, because everyone yeah. else in the world is late. So I'm the only person, literally the only person who's 15 minutes early and everyone else is 15 minutes late. So I don't know why they really but, instilled that But isn't that, that less me. stressful for you though? Isn't it less it stressful to like not what being I had late? to do to make that happen? It depends on oh, what yeah. I had to do okay. to make that happen. So you're happen, stressed you on know? the other side of it. Yeah. yeah. So like Mike is usually getting some sort of wrath about, you know, what we have to do for the day. <laughs> because no matter what we do, we're not like moving fast enough and he's very laid yeah. back. So I'm usually like, Mike, Mike, why aren't we moving? Why are we just sitting there? Why, why aren't your socks on? Why aren't your shoes on? Where's Annabelle's shoes? Like it's oh usually, God. it's usually really chaotic. Adam's mm -hmm. notorious for like, I'll think I, I, I've like planned everything out. I've gotten Hayden all packed. I have his outfit on. I have the dogs all packed. I have everything ready to go. I have this, the food that I prepared. Let's say we're going to an event. Everything's ready to go. And then all of a sudden I'm like, where's my husband? Where is my husband? Oh, he's sitting mm -hmm. on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you have there all for... this time. What are you doing? <laughs> it takes them sometimes. Sometimes it's no joke, like 30 to 45 minutes. And I'm like, yeah. What is wrong with your bowels? I don't honestly. know what's happening. It's always, it's like, it's like clockwork. It's like the second we're getting ready to go. And then all of a mm -hmm. sudden that's when it needs to happen. And it's like, mm -hmm. you had this whole time and it's just, it's a never, I'm never going to win. It's that's, it's always going to be a thing. I agree. So, well, <laughs> now that we've discussed our husband's bowels, mm -hmm. um, I Sorry, say Mike. we jump right in. We're at, today's mm -hmm. a fun I'm actually really excited about this too. one. Yeah. yeah. So today I we're going to be discussing different parenting styles um, mm -hmm. and just kind of really um, dissecting them a little bit more and going over what each one means. There's a lot of them, by the way, didn't realize. And we're not There's even like, so we're not even touching all of them that are out there. There's so right. many more, I'm sure, that are out there. We're just going to kind of hit some of like the big ones or the ones that we thought were big ones mm -hmm. um, and really just talk about what styles kind of feel the most natural to us personally we're also going to recap a recap recap <laughs> we're going to recap um <laughs> recap. the show uh the parent test on hulu it's a show that uh we actually well we'll get into that a little bit but it's it's actually based off of a an australian show it's the same production company and so i accidentally found that show on youtube was obsessed with it and then the U.S. came out with their version called the parent test. Um, so we're going to watch, well, we've watched it, but we're going to go over that as well. Um, 
and kind of recap it. We're going to do our best not to include any spoilers for those who haven't seen it because it's a really good show. You should definitely watch it. And at the very least, it's entertaining. Um, so we'll do our best not to have any spoilers. And if we do have any spoilers, then we'll just go back through and beep them out. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, so um, I think maybe like before we do that um so i, I know you wanted to kind of talk about yeah like why like why does this even yeah. matter to us right you were so, more about did you read any styles. books or anything before well, you had annabelle? when i was pregnant with annabelle i was just constantly googling baby stuff in general you know how your phone starts to kind of just read your mind and show mm -hmm. you things um because it knows that you know, apparently you're pregnant and about to have a baby when you've been Googling nursery stuff and, you know, clothing and blah, blah, blah. So I was on Pinterest one night, which is Pinterest is where I land on everything. Basically, it's my favorite thing Same. to do. Yeah. Like late Pinterest at night when and you the can't gram, sleep. All about it. Right. Like late at night when you can't sleep, but you're not, not really stressed about anything. You just can't sleep. I just go on Pinterest because it occupies my time and I don't want to get off. So, um, so I stumbled upon this book called Raising Bebe. Um, I don't know how to say that properly, but it's a French parenting book by this woman who I think she was born and brought up in the United States and then moves over to France and she learns the French parenting style and kind of has to adapt to it because it's so strict and that's a way of life in France is the way that they raise their kids. Um, so I actually thought it was really cool, really fun, really sophisticated and um, intelligent. So I read the book twice via audiobook, and I thought that, you know, I became obsessed with parenting styles, mainly French parenting style. But through that, I ended up learning about the alternatives. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was going to raise my daughter the French parenting way. And then um, after I had Annabelle, um, things changed and we'll go into that later. But I stumbled upon this show that was on, I think, YouTube or Amazon. And it was called Bringing Up Baby. And it was a British TV show about uh, three or four major parenting styles. Um and I was sharing my obsession with Jessica about parenting styles. We were just talking about like some kids who, you know, we knew either through the internet or like watching people from afar, we were talking about certain parenting styles. And so I decided to share my obsession with her and I shared with her the show um, bringing up baby. And so of course, both of us are trying to find it to send each other the link. And so she can watch it. And it was gone. The show wasn't online anymore. You couldn't find it. You couldn't find information about it. There's one little blurb on Wikipedia about the show. Um, and then from there, I don't understand that it's so annoying. I, I, I mean, wonder if we're just being censored from it since it was a British show. Maybe the US is just being censored because you know how they'll do that sometimes. So maybe we just be. can't find it. That might know. be why. That might be why. Um, mm -hmm. And then during the show, there was a lot of commentary about attachment parenting and it being inappropriate. And then at the end and the Wikipedia blurb about it, it basically said that the more strict parenting style, it's not called strict. It, it's called something else, but the more strict parenting style was what raised eyebrows the most because, um, 
it was some of it was kind of cruel and borderline abusive mm-hmm. and the person in charge of you know that's part of the show her um her qualifications were in question so i also wonder if it was canceled because of that but yeah, long story short <laughs> through that like show <laughs> through our search and our desperate quest to find they were that chaining show, babies up in the attic and whooping they, their basically, butts every night Basically, and we're going to get into that like a tiny bit later when we go through the shows. But um, so Jessica ended up finding the parent. No, parental guidance. It was parental guidance was the Australian one. Yes. Well, so before all of that, like just to kind of back up quite a bit for me before we because I feel like we're starting to kind of dive in to this a little bit more. Um, I it's not that I was like anti books or anything while I was pregnant. I just. I don't know, like everything in me just kind of felt like I was just going to do what felt right. And I was just going to lean into whatever felt the most natural to me. Like my sister-in-law was all about the books. Um, I know my cousin was all about the books. I knew that you had read a few things and I didn't read shit. Um, yeah, I Googled stuff, you know, as I was kind of figuring things out. And for me, I just, I don't know, like my, I, my sister-in-law gave me a book. I, it made a very good coaster. <laughs> Sorry, Rachel, if you're listening to this, I didn't open it once. Um, and I just knew that for me, um, what felt right was to have him on me. What felt Mm -hmm. right is to answer him when he cries. Um, The cry it out method to me felt cruel. I didn't like it. It didn't feel natural to me. Um, And so I wasn't doing that. He would cry. I would respond. Um, You know, I wore him a lot. Um, He slept in our room with us until gosh, what was it? Seven months old. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then his room is connected by our, our closet. Like we designed his nursery to literally be basically still in our room. So like you, we leave the doors open in our closet and it's like, there's like a Murphy door. So it's like a hidden door to his room and that's just like open. So it's like, he's still kind of in our room. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say he's in his own room, not really. <laughs> right. Um, but without even realizing it, I was actually doing the attachment style mm-hmm. and I was actually, you know, because that's what it is. So that's what sparked me because in talking to Sonia and she's like, you're doing the attachment style. I'm like, what? And then I started researching it a little bit more and I'm like, wow, okay, cool. So, cause I was wondering, cause everything that people were telling me is like, no, you leave a baby crying. Otherwise they're going to manipulate you and they're going to do this. And they're going to do that. And, and so I'm just like, I was kind of keeping it to myself. Cause I was like, well, everybody's telling me I'm doing this wrong. So I'm just going to not tell them that I'm not listening to them. And then right. Sonia's the one that opened my eyes of like, no, you're actually doing this It's called the attachment style. And so then I started researching that. And then that's when you were telling me about the show. And then I was looking for it because I was suddenly more interested because I guess for me, I just assumed all of the books and all the styles were just very rigid and very structured. And I just didn't want it to be like that. You know, I just wanted it to be more of like, just come organically. Like every baby's different, you know, they're all their own little individual little humans and what's going to work for Hayden may not work for Annabelle or what works for, you know, another child. So yeah. So for me, I just, um, I feel like I'm going on a different tangent, but yeah. So for me, I think that's why I really, um, got, uh, got addicted to these shows and actually kind of leaning into or learning more about like the different styles because then it really showed me that, okay, they're not all strict. They're not all really rigid. You can actually have fun and what you're doing is actually a different style. And so. Right. And once our, once we were kind of 
like made aware of all the different parenting styles, it, it became so interesting and finding the TV mm-hmm. shows. I just wanted to keep watching when we were in Dallas, Jessica and Adam turned on parental guidance for Mike and I, and mm-hmm. we were just glued to oh the TV God, because it's so, it's so interesting. It's so good. So to give a little recap of what that's about. So there's two. So the first one, I think it's the first one. I mean, it will definitely, to my understanding, came out before the U.S. one. I don't know when the U.S. started filming and when they decided to release it. But to my understanding, the Australian one came out first and it's called Parental Guidance. And you can only find it on YouTube. You can only get like little 10, 15 minute snippets of it. So they'll show you like like a couple of the challenges, but they won't show you like a full episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were just kind of going through and watching a few of the challenges. And so what they have is you have like a group of like different par- different sets of parents and they all have their own different um, styles of parenting. And so they'll basically, you have, um, on the Australian one, there was like the routine parents, there was, um, the attachment, there was the French style, there was a bunch of others. And so, um, they'll basically set up these different tests and they'll put their kids in situations where like, for example, they'll be on real a playground. life situations, real life yeah. situations. And so, and there'll be like hidden cameras and everything. And it'll be like, okay, so Here's um, this actor that's going to pretend to, they're going to go and they're going to approach your child and they're going to say, hey, my dog just had puppies. Do you want to come see the puppies? And it's the stranger danger test. And there's a bunch of different challenges, but this is one that's like pretty intense to watch. It's really intense. um, Yeah. And so basically the idea is to see like what parenting style is the most effective when the parent isn't around. So which style sets the child up for the most success when they're on their own. And so it's it's so (laughs) fascinating because what's interesting is like the, the styles that are just so rigid, like you have the strict and especially on the, um, with the Australian show, because they really leaned right into whatever their style was. They fully a hundred percent committed to each of their styles. Um, and like, you know, like the discipline, the, the, um, the intensive, the, um, structured, super structured ones, they all failed and the kids would go off to go see the puppies. And I think it's because it's like, you're so structured, you're so strict that the second that you have a little bit of like leeway, they're going to rebel because that's just what happens when you keep somebody in a box. They want to jump out of the box. They want to go explore. Whereas the other styles like free range and, um, natural, um, I think natural, did what mm-hmm. they're supposed to do. Um, and attachment, um, they've all, their parenting styles, they would, they're really big on like reenactment, reenacting scenes, situations, and constantly having conversations and what to do in these scenes and, and everything. And they're really focused on emotions and building up confidence. And so the kids knew what to do mm-hmm. and they didn't go with the strangers. And so right. that's just an example of like some of like the challenges that they'll do. And there's a bunch of different ones and they and it's just and then you vote the couple parents off and you can like be really judgy to like other people's parenting styles which is like so fun <laughs> um amazing. yeah so we really got into it and it was just like such a good show and i was like come on i want it, want it to be in the u.s and then it finally came in the u.s but um something that sonia pointed out that because i couldn't put my finger on it what was so different about it is that the australian version they were all a hundred percent committed to each of their styles. They were like through mm-hmm. and through extreme with that. It was one very style. clear as to what the style was in that. Yes. It was, a, it was a more, it was a, 
So in the American show, there's like 12 different styles, whereas in the Australian, there's less styles. So there's less room for, you know, the gray area. Right. And so the 12 styles, it seems. It's almost like on the American one, they were just like so saturated where they weren't Mm -hmm. 100% committed. So it's like Mm -hmm. you have like, um, you know, the discipline style where I'm like, why am I liking the discipline parenting style (laughs) on the US one. But then we started thinking about it like, well, because it's not 100% discipline, it's actually kind of mixed with new age. And it's actually Mm -hmm. mixed with a little bit of um, fuck, I don't know, French, maybe. But it had like, it had a bunch of different. Yeah, like it had like, like, so each of the styles of the US, it's like, even though they're saying, well, we're we're this, it's like, right, like even the, um, was it the free range parents um mm-hmm. or yeah free range parenting the style range they used parent. to be they used to be helicopter parents so it's like are you really letting go of that completely you know what i mean like you don't just right. you're not you can't be a helicopter parent and then 100 percent let go of that and be like right. oh i'm just going to be a free range parent now right. it, that it doesn't work clear. there's no way it was clear that they were having a hard time completely letting go of the helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. I can't remember an exact example, but hey, that's why the show is there. You guys have to go watch. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go through, I think, um, what will be most helpful because we're bringing up all these different styles. And for people that were like me that didn't really haven't read any books and just, you know, really could care less about that shit. You want to figure it out later. Um, we're going to spend some time now just kind of quickly going through like some of the different styles and kind of um, including some examples of what each one is. Sonia did a good job pulling all these together. So I'll let her get started with that and we'll kind of talk about each one. And then we'll really, once you kind of have a better understanding of what each of the styles are, then we'll really dive deeper into the shows. Yeah. And I'll kind of tell you where I'm at with my parenting style with Annabelle too. Um, So, I guess we'll start off with attachment because that's, you know, number one, that one was on the Australian version um, or Australian show. So attachment parenting, the principles and methods primarily address the time. And I'm reading this from our notes real quick, just because I want to make sure I'm accurate. Um, The attachment parenting principles and methods primarily address the time period from birth through toddlerhood and is based on the concept that a parent's connection and responsiveness to their baby's needs have an everlasting effect on the baby's future emotional health and relationships. Um, So, you know, really based on birth through toddlerhood, like Jessica was mentioning how she wanted to have Hayden on her. It was just the way she felt. It was her natural instinct to want to do that. Um, And then... One thing with me with the, sorry, with the attachment um, theory that method that I, that really, really resonated with me was that they look at a baby's crying. Like it's, it's their way of they're communicating right. <laughs> there. It's, they look at crying as a form of communication, not manipulation. Babies aren't born knowing how to manipulate. Like that's not what it is. It's their own, literally their only way to communicate to us that they're scared, they're tired, they're hungry, they're uncomfortable. They just want to be held. They want to know you're nearby. Whatever it is, they don't understand the different extremes of it. They just know that's how they get your attention. Um, it's not manipulation. And that's just one thing that 
would really bother me is, is when I would go to go to Hayden when he's crying and people are, well, you know, you keep doing that, then he's going to eventually know. I'm like, so what you're, you're telling me that if he, if I keep running to him, then he's going to know that I'm reliable. Right. Okay. I'll be reliable. Right. That's fine. <laughs> right. And actually spoiler alert, I went, you know, I changed from the idea of wanting to be a French parenting style mom to an attachment style mom. And it was all of the above reasons for me. And I got the same feedback from family members. Um, if you keep running over to her every time she makes a noise, um, she's just going to keep doing that. And, I'm and like, it would drive me insane Good. because I, yeah. And I would, I would have so many, like, I can't even tell you how many times I had these conversations with this, with same family members over and over and over again. Like it's mm -hmm. not manipulation, it's communication. Yes, I want him to know that I'm reliable. Yes, I want him to know when he calls oh. for me, I'm coming. Oh, yeah. airplane is landing. There's so, an airplane landing in our house real so, quick. <laughs> right. We chose to record today of all days, not realizing that it's when the gardeners were going to be coming. And I thought they were done earlier today, but uh, we're being really thorough. So it sounds like an airplane is landing. I'm so sorry. So sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, that's just like one thing. And I'm still I'm still struggling with it um, because he still doesn't have fully his voice yet. And so mm -hmm. um, it's something that I'm still struggling with. But it would literally drive me nuts. I'm like, well, as I explained to you two weeks ago, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's it, the crying thing and just having him, you know, know that I'm there was really was really big to me for that one. Right. Right. And I mean, I might get some hate for saying this. Another airplane just took off. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, after a while, because Annabelle is two years old now, and I've been doing attachment parenting up until now, um, I don't get any of that feedback anymore because while Annabelle does have her bouts of unhappiness from time to time because she can't do something or, you know, somebody can't pick her up immediately when she wants to. She's a very happy child compared mm -hmm. to a lot of the other people that the people who were commenting see on a regular basis. So it's, it's kind of interesting. And I personally feel validated in that, you know, Annabelle's not freaking out constantly because she's not being heard for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. So think other people have yeah, kind of started to realize. Yeah, and another thing too about having him sleeping in the same room with me for a while, that was another thing I got like a lot of shit about. You know, my um, sister and brother-in-law, <laughs> they had um, my nephew in his own room, in his own crib right at four months. And that worked for them. Like they both like, they had to go into the office every day. They had to be in a strict schedule. Like that's, that worked for them. That's fine. Um, and they did things a little differently. And so they, they I think they did do the cry it out method Again, I mean, that worked, that style worked for them. It felt the most natural to them, not degrading. I'm just saying for me personally, it didn't feel right for me and in my heart. Um, and I didn't think it felt right for Hayden either. Um, right. But when I did transition into the, his crib, he was happy about it. We didn't have any tears because what I did was he stayed with me in the bassinet. We had one of those another plane leave, leaving. <laughs> Sonia has like, she's really rich and she has like her own private airport attached oh, yeah. to her house. And so oh, yeah. planes That's are so just, it's, it's the help. It's the help <laughs> just coming in to cook her dinner. They just like come in and out <laughs> frequently. 
Yeah, they're um, on like so he, a, a motorized <laughs> scooter, just yeah. bringing me all my stuff. So <laughs> what I had is I had one of those um, bassinets that attached to the bed, and so he was in that until about seven months. And what we did was at nighttime he'd be in there, and then I think at about six months I started doing nap time in his crib, and so I started introducing his crib to him casually but at nighttime he would still be with me and then the first night where we finally were like you know what why don't we try in the crib he embraced it because it wasn't big and scary to him he had been in there before he was used to the surroundings it wasn't anything like different and it was just such an easy joyful transition um and i i mean i'm just so glad that that's how we did it because there's no way that i could have just laid there in bed listening to him screaming and crying and been like oh okay let me just wait wait it out a little longer like why does it have to be like that so right right no my family doesn't know annabelle's sleeping style i 100 percent love the way you did everything with hayden um my family has no idea where Annabelle sleeps. And I <laughs> will say one word or two word answers to that because people like are starting to think we're poor and couldn't afford a crib or something. Um, <laughs> and I, I know that's not funny because there are actually people who need help with the crib situation, but like people at first were just starting to think we couldn't afford a crib, but like lo and behold, her floor mattress and her toddler bed cost like three cribs. So three nice cribs. <laughs> so we'll talk about I that mean, actually a little bit. What it's, it's the, yeah, is it so we, are, we don't actually style? use those anymore, but I mean, okay. we don't actually, we never really use them, but her nursery setup is, or was when she was born a Montessori nursery setup where she had like a really cute little floor mat as her bed. And then I purchased the toddler bed that it fits onto, um, from urban outfitters. It's just like this gorgeous little, it's almost like a day bed, but it's like boho. Her mm -hmm. nursery was really boho and we went the Montessori style. So all their stuff kind of went along with that. And then she has this gorgeous like gold framed mirror up over her bed because that's another part of the Montessori um, bedroom for babies so they can see themselves, learn about themselves, um, their hands, their feet, all that stuff when they're just kind of having alone time um, or when you're together too. And we ended up because we did attachment parenting, she was was never really in her nursery um so but my grandmother and like a couple other family members just kind of were confused as to why we didn't have a crib and <laughs> even we're like um do you like do you need money for a crib and I was like, actually no we're you know thank you so much that's so sweet of you to offer we're all set um you know while she's an infant and can't move or walk or anything um we're totally just going to, you know, keep her on the Montessori bed or in her bassinet next to us. Um, and she'll be fine. But, um, after that, when it's time for her to move in there, what we're going to do is just make sure we're really well gated and protected from any stairs or anything like that. So she can't. So what's the hurt. concept of it again? Like, like it's, it's to promote so that, so that they can kind of have the freedom to safely move around their room. Right. Obviously, the, the crib is safe because they're contained and they can't mm -hmm. roll out of it. But also being on the floor is an alternative so that they can 
you know, roll gently onto the floor and then start exploring their toys and be self-led in terms of learning. Um, we had mm-hmm. all the wooden toys from the Montessori company Loverly. I think that's how you say it. And we still have all of our, our fun toys from them, but you know, there's a whole system where you can put them out on a shelf so that they can easily go get them and roll out of bed and just like be on their own time playing and they don't have to rely on you. They can be a little bit more self-reliant and learn about the world around them. And that's mm-hmm. kind of why the floor bed and you know, all of this stuff is so that they can, they can live their lives essentially. Um, and so I wanted to go, I wanted to go that route, which was great and it's super pretty and cute, but, um, we went with attachment parenting, which meant same as Jess, Annabelle has been in our room. So we haven't really had her alone in her room. I think at this point she would probably be okay. Cause she would rather be in there playing with her toys, but then sleeping in general, she doesn't yeah. like to sleep. So she'd rather be in her room playing with her toys all night. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we just have never really gone the crib route at all. I can't remember she, I why what she would do if you put her in a crib. She'd probably be so confused. She's like, why am I in this well, jail? Like, what is this? <laughs> I know for, I know now for like 100% sure she would be able to climb herself out of a normal crib. We would have to have her in one of the ones that was really tall and touched the floor so that she wouldn't be able to maneuver herself out of it because she likes, mm-hmm. she's basically, she just likes to climb everything and has become an expert at climbing. So a little gymnast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm getting her into gymnastics soon. I don't know what they're going to teach her though. <laughs> oh my God. Be ready. So right? the next, um, and we're going to go a little faster, um, through the ones that we don't feel as passionately about, but we definitely both fo- feel some way about attachment. This next one, um, we both are really into as well. Um, new age. So they didn't have this one on the Australian show, right? This is just the... Right. New Age wasn't the on there. One. Okay. So, um, and I'm going to read this uh, from Sonia's notes. So bear with me. <laughs> um, so New Age parenting <laughs> is all about becoming your child's friend and mentor instead of just being a bossy or imposing parent. The changing roles of dad, composing, uh, composing yourself before addressing your child, being firm but explanatory, diverting attention, making them feel involved, whether it be chores or picking out an outfit, making rules together. It's all about inclusivity. Um, I like it. I think one thing for new age that I picked up on was um, it just kind of, it kind of felt like they were kind of taking a little bit from all of the different styles. So it wasn't necessarily just like all it's like, it's not like all like its own style. It's like, okay, we're going to take a little bit from discipline. We're going to take a little bit from attachment where we're all about our emotions and feelings. We're going to take a little bit from natural and child and we're just going to kind of merge it all together. And we're just going to kind of do this and see what works and just it's ever evolving. Um, so right. that was my take on it. Um, right. So, I loved, I loved yeah. this category. I love this style because the children learn the parents firm boundaries um but they but they also get to learn why the boundary is there so then when it comes time that they're up against a boundary they're not going to break the rule because the parent didn't tell them oh because i said so 
Right. And then they have to find out why the parent said no on their own. The parent has already really thoroughly told them why that boundary is set in place. They've done it many times. So the child really completely understands. And so when it's time for them, when it's time for them to be up against that boundary, they know the rule is there for a reason and Mm -hmm. they don't question it. They might, you know, be like, ha ha ha. It would be so funny if we did break the rule, but they don't. And um, so I really love the new age style. They, they do have, um, we do have an example here and offline. I was talking to Sonia about it, but so the example that we have here for new age, wait, did we include an example for attachment? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's um, more about the newborn stage. Yeah. Yeah. So for new age, the example, so for example, if your teen is insisting on going to a rock concert that you feel is not age appropriate, you should first try explaining it to them. Finally, if you think that it's not like explaining to them isn't working, let them know, but instead of, but instead offer them, offer another incentive that distracts them. It could be a much coveted a much coveted outfit or a trip with friends. Once they're excited about something else, it'll be easier for you to explain why the rock concert isn't a good idea for their age. I read that and I'm like, okay, so you're, you're bribing them. You're Mm negotiating. Like it feels like negotiating tactics. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't go, then I'll get you this outfit. Or if you don't, if you, if you promise not to go, then you can go on this trip. Like, that's my take on it. So I right. don't really know how I feel about that. Um, right. What are your thoughts on that, Sonia? Where my mind is going and what they might have meant in this article um, that I took this from, I think is if the teen is assisting on going and you're trying to explain to them that it's that there's an age issue, they're too young to go. The, it could get heated and the teen could just basically shut down and either get really upset and combative or just go to their room and not want to talk to their parents because they think their parents are so uncool. Um, So my thought is that the parent is trying to kind of just bring them to a level of level-headedness before trying to, before retrying to explain why they're too young to go to the concert and what consequences it could have if they went to this concert without parents or, you know, just went in general. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's where my mind is going is that they're trying to get the child to be on their level so that they can have a real honest conversation, which is ideal, which is ideal. But if it's going and just like plain, this is exactly what it means, then yeah, I think that does sound like some sort of bribery or completely distracting the person from the problem, which I don't agree with. I think when there's a problem and a child of any age is upset about it, that the issue needs to be discussed so that they can understand before, Mm -hmm. before going on to another topic. Exactly. Exactly. I was just sitting here thinking like, (laughs) show them pictures, crime scene photos. See, this is what happened to this little girl that didn't listen. (laughs) 
just like, how I'm so scared they're never going to want to leave the house. Okay, mommy, I won't go to the concert. I won't go to the concert, mommy. Okay. <laughs> I won't Can do anything. Not. I won't ever do anything again. All right. Do you want to read French? <laughs> yes. So French. Still close to my heart, though, for older kids, I think. So a French parenting style focuses on expectations and puts a lot of emphasis on saying no firmly and establishing rules for children concerning etiquette, eating, and sleeping. Mothers treat their children as miniature adults, and they see themselves as fully functioning adults with lives outside of just motherhood. So I think, you know, when... So before Annabelle was born, I was, you know, a career woman. So I just kind of thought this fit into my lifestyle really well. And I, you know, I think French women do it right in so many ways outside of parenting. So I was like, oh, this is new. They're good at parenting too. So I was just kind of like, I'll jump on the French parenting train. And I think as far as like etiquette and eating and stuff like that, Those are things that as Annabelle gets older, I really want to instill in her, um, you know, like manners, being kind and sitting at a table and eating and having a conversation with her parents or her friends or her friend's parents. If she's, you know, over at their house or something, I want her to enjoy those things in life because they are some of my favorite things in life. And I think it's important. It's culture. But as far as the whole sleep training thing, I think that kind of has to be baby led and more attachment style. My, <clears throat> my whole thing with French style, um, so they really focused on this one. They didn't cover this one in the U.S. Um, show, but they, they covered it in the Australian one. There's definitely things about the French style that I like. Um, mm-hmm. What I like about it is that they treat them like a little adults. You're your own mm-hmm. little human. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you are going to, let's be open. Let's try new foods. Let's be more culture. Let's try new experiences. Um, I'm not going to baby talk you. I'm going to talk to you like you're an adult. We're going to try to have like good conversations. Um, I do like that. I think that's really cool. Um, but in what I was seeing from the Australian show, my fear is that they're not adults, right? right. They're, They're going to grow up too fast. And so, yeah, like uh, my fear is that you're pushing them to grow up too fast. So I think that there needs to be a balance there. I think there's still, it's like, listen, I'm going to give you the respect by helping you, um, by letting you have these choices, but they're going to be choices that I'm kind of setting perimeters around and I'm kind of mm-hmm. guiding you to making the right choice. I'm going to be right here with you. We're going to talk about our feelings. You are a child. You are going to have a, a little tantrum in these moments, but we're going to work through it together. Um, I'm not just going to shun you off. Like it's not okay to like be in your feelings. Um, and so that was my kind of take on it. I, I, there are some parts of the French style that I like, and then there's some that I think, um, like Sonia was saying that it's, it's probably more beneficial for a little bit older children, but I think for the littles, um, it might be a little too extreme is kind of how I, I view it, but there are definitely some things about it. Like I have, um, some friends that they, I, I, we might actually have her on here. Um, but, uh, her name is Gabe and she has an adorable daughter, Clover. And one of the things that I love so much about their relationship, and she's always told me this from day one, is she's always talked to Clover like she's an adult. She doesn't baby talk her. She has honest adult conversations with her. And Clover literally has like 
the cutest personality. She has so much sass. She's so cool. She's cooler than I am. I'm not that cool. So that's not really a good, uh, that's not a big, uh, like a bar. <laughs> I'm not really setting it very high for her. Clover. And her I feel like with a name like Clover, she has to have that personality because it's the yes. most adorable name ever. So cute. But like, but you just talk to her. You can literally, she can carry a conversation with an adult and she's just so fun and she's hilarious. And I think that if, you know, Gabe, had Gabe not um, spoken to her at such a young age and treated her that way, she would have a completely different personality. She'd probably still obviously be still be adorable, but um, I, I really attribute a lot of her personality of what it is today for them, you know, talking to her that way. So that is one element of the French style that I do love and I do want to mm -hmm. do with Hayden, but there are parts of it that um, like what, there was like an example in like the French, the, the um, Australian show where it was like, they, I don't remember what it was, but basically the child to me just looked so sad. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like she, she just seemed a little too grown up. Like she was like this little eight year old. Was it for the stranger acting? danger? Was it for the stranger danger one with the puppies where she was just an actual adult She And I know that that's a really well, touchy one and we should be teaching them to be adults in those situations, but yeah, no, there was, it was, I don't remember what it was. I don't remember. It was like, I don't know if they went to a candy store shop or what, but mm -hmm. it was like, I don't know, just the way that she acted. Like, I just, I'm like, I wanted to see a little bit more playful from her. And she just, mm -hmm. it was like, whenever it came to doing kid things, it was almost yeah. like she didn't, didn't, she didn't really know how to, to lean into that because it just right. wasn't. So I just, I, in that, like we said, the Australian show went, we were very extreme in all the different styles. So mm -hmm. that particular example kind of um, made me feel a little indifferent about the style where I like mm -hmm. some things about it and And I think so it's so others, cool that you picked up on that because we're both full-time, I mean, we're both first-time moms. So we yeah. only really immediately know adult behavior. We haven't been around a ton of kids for an extended period of time. So I think it's mm -hmm. really awesome that you picked up on that because my mind, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, she's really cool and she is really cool. But yeah, yes, for an adult, we want them she's to be eight. <laughs> right. Yeah. But we want her to be eight, you know. I mean, right. yeah. So, um, okay. So the next one we have, um, <laughs> you really like which this one, one is the next one? Shoot, natural. Oh, yeah. There's clearly. like two sentences. There's <laughs> <laughs> my notes on this one i skipped over it by accident because it's so small it's fine I didn't even it's really we yeah so the next one is natural um so this style of parenting allows kids to develop at their own pace they try things and participate in sports but they don't stress about it they like to spend a lot of time outdoors they can accomplish anything but at their own pace an example um on the australian parenting show so parental guidance the younger children don't know how to read and their older children learn to read very late, uh, much later than what's normal. On the U.S. show, were they the ones, or no, I'm thinking, did they have natural parents on the U.S. They one? did. They did. They were very Who? rural and they lived out in the country, like on a farm. Oh, and yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, okay, so I didn't mind them as much, but I remember not liking the Australian ones, but I feel mm -hmm. like the U.S. ones um, were better. Um, but 
there were certain situations that they that were definitely just out of their comfort zone. You could tell that they were definitely used to living in their own little bubble. The thing with natural, it's like I this is and so I um, one thing that I'm learning too for me is I'm I'm liking little bits of each of these styles that I'm not fully wanting just like to 100% dive into one. Um, but the thing that I do like about natural style is I do appreciate allowing kids to develop at their own pace to a certain extent. Right. <laughs> like to a certain extent. Um, right. I think when it comes to the point of academically being behind, that's not okay. Um, right. I think, you know, but when it's like come, you know, you have like a, eight months old who's crawling and you know a, a nine month old that isn't yet I wouldn't worry about it they're going to figure it out you know what I mean so I think it just it depends on their level and what exactly right. it is that we're talking about right you definitely there's don't want to rush them in something too. right there's natural parenting and then there's other things when you take natural parenting to be so literal that your child can't read or is just starting to read at age nine, that's just, problem. I'm sorry, but it's not okay to me. It's just not. No. You can put no. books in front of a baby and the baby's going to pick it up. So clearly we weren't putting books in front of the baby and checking to see if they would pick it up. You know, right. it's like, at what point is it just like being complacent and lazy right. and just being like, right. they'll figure it out <laughs> someday, maybe when they're 20. Yeah. <laughs> so the next one is free range. We're just mm -hmm. going to kind of move on. <laughs> the next one is free range. Um, another thing too, sorry to go back on the, the natural parenting style. It's like, okay, play sports, but you know, it's, you know, it's okay if you don't win or whatever. Listen, like not everybody's going to win. I think it's, it's, it's good to have the mindset of, you know, you don't want your child to be a sore loser. I think they, they need to understand how to lose, but I think it is important for a child to have drive and have a goal that they're trying to aspire towards and have that like adrenaline rush of like wanting to, to try, like if you go into something being like, well, whatever happens happens, then like, where's the fun in that? You know, what mm -hmm. are you learning? So I, mm -hmm. I do think that's one another part of it that I was just kind of like, ugh, like you're one of them. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. You can tell we're not really fans of that one. Um, right. The next one is uh, free range. Sonia, do you want to yeah, jump on so this Yeah, so free one? range parenting focuses on teaching children to be independent by providing limited parental supervision based on their maturity level, development, and age. This parenting philosophy argues that children build confidence when they face natural consequences. Sorry, I was reading that a little out of sequence, but I think everybody kind of got the point. Jess, I know you did. Um, this just literally makes me think of like latchkey kids in like the 80s, mm -hmm. like 70s. Mm. <laughs> where, like, right. You would just like no adult supervision. You were just right. like left to fend for yourself. You get off the bus. Right. And you're just like in your right. house. It's not locked. Maybe your parents will call and check on you. Who knows? I truly <laughs> don't understand the latchkey philosophy because I grew up in the 80s and it was never a thing thing no it was never it was, a thing so what it was is it was when i think it was like it was like the generation right before us mm -hmm. i think you're right because so we, we were so when we were young when we were like babies it mm -hmm. was like the it was like 
the tweens those and like, people like yeah, the teenagers of that yes. time yes right because we listen yeah. to my favorite murder and the hosts on there are just a little <laughs> tiny bit older than us and they refer to latchkey kids all the time yeah which brings me to my example for yes. free-range parenting. So the example for free-range parenting is letting a child take public transit or walk to school without you, often at an age when other parents might typically accompany their children. So I know Jessica kind of like briefly touched on that, but other parents might typically accompany your children. This just makes me think about gone girl you know how gone girl disappears she's like on her way from something i don't know if it's school or an after school activity or playing with her friend and she's by herself and she's getting home and that's when she goes missing that's when she gets snatched i mean uh, latchkey is just it's literally the same you're literally asking you're asking for for trouble. I don't understand right. that one. It's like you might as well strap a bright neon sign to your child and says free for the taking. Right. And <laughs> like, I know we're probably going to get a little bit of heat, especially from the people who are passionate about free oh, range parenting. I'm ready for it. But, right. Me too. And I know <laughs> that the concept clearly states in my notes right here that it's about their maturity level. But what does that mean? That is so open to interpretation. Is your child capable of walking from point A to point B physically? Yeah, Yeah. probably at an early age, right? Um, So what does that mean for free range parents and their maturity level? Because um, even young teenagers like 13, 14, they're so impressionable still and Mm -hmm. they still need some repetition probably about what, what it means to talk to a stranger and to trust a person that they don't know, or even somebody that they do know. 100%. If you are a free range parent and you feel passionately about it and you disagree with us, please email us. Yeah. Please email us. Mamas at gmail.com. And please explain to us. Maturity level a child needs to be to walk home alone. And why (laughs) you're doing the things that you're doing because inquiring minds are curious. We need to know. Um, The next, the next one is high achievement. Mm -hmm. I literally can't. Um, (laughs) I just think of like the guy from, now I have, I'm sorry, I'm like burping, drinking Diet Coke, and all of a sudden all these little like <laughs> bubbles are coming up. Um, so with high achievement, I can't stop thinking about the um, the father on the parent test. He's just like, he's just doing the most, and it's just not in a good he's way. He's the hostess um, with the mostest. Oh my God, I can't. So, so, okay, so high achievement pushes the child to ensure they achieve their full potential and achieve excellence in academic and sports endeavors. Um, Pushing children sometimes past their comfort zone to achieve success in what they do. Uh, Sonia did not provide an example for this one, but it's fine. We have plenty to pull from, from the show. Um, Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to begin. So, So So on one hand, on one hand, I do think that it's good to push a child and want them to do their best. That's great. But when it comes at the expense of your child has no confidence in themselves because they're relying on you, they're, they're basically assuming that everything that they're going to do is wrong and that like you're going to 
you know best and they can't make decisions for themselves and they are constantly fearing disappointing you, which is what was happening um, right. on the parent test. This, first of all, I want to say like, it's very clear that the father loves his child. It's, it's extremely a single clear, father yeah. and he has a beautiful son and it's a beautiful relationship. You can tell that he loves his boy so much. But from what I, we we observed, it just seemed like this little boy just had zero confidence in himself. Um, there were certain tests where, you know, there was one test, for an example, where um, they were cooking and um, the little boy, basically the father was like, okay, you're going to be the parent and I'm going to be the kid or something. And the little boy like freaked out. He's like, I don't want to do that. Where most kids would have jumped into it and been like, yeah, we're excited. This is great. And right. like the little boy just like was not about it. And then they had like a cooking one and like the father was like, wouldn't let him make a mistake. Like there was no room for error. There's no room for making mistakes. And so it's like, you could tell like the boy was just afraid to like make any mistakes. So he just can be like, well, now what do I do now? What do I do now? What do I do? And so yeah. hello, Delilah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I just, that, Oh God, that style just made me cringe. I can't. It was pretty cringe worthy, especially during the one that you brought up with the cooking because he, didn't know how to do anything in the kitchen. So maybe that's where the father needs to focus for high achievement for like a month or two. But I mean, he couldn't do anything without looking at his dad, like, help me, please. What am I supposed right. to be doing right now? And I mean, I feel like you, he could probably like whip, whip up like some granola or like a, a bowl of cereal for dinner or, you know, just be fun. Have like a kid mindset. Oh, I get to make dinner. We're having pancakes or right. even if he wasn't the one making it, even if his dad really had to step in to help him with things, just be like excited about trying something mm -hmm. or coming up with an idea on your own. Mm -hmm. And it was really funny because this parenting style got a lot of heat on social media. I was reading a lot of tweets and one of the things that the high achievement dad really wanted for his son and, you know, has kind of achieved is him learning, I don't know, a ton of languages. What was it? Yeah, eight or like nine Mandarin. languages? Yes. And one Every, of the like people who tweeted about it, I got to look up who it was, but he was like, I just want to know why his poor child needs to learn Croatian at this age. It was so funny. I'm like, actually, I didn't even yeah. think about that, you know, and no diss to people who <laughs> speak Croatian, but this little boy is so small, so smart. And he, he knows so many languages. Like, why are we focusing on so many of them? Maybe so just he's so smart and he knows so many languages, but like, he's so insecure right he's so he insecure he just looks like he's just he he like he looks like he lives in constant fear of like ups of like disappointment disappointment yeah like he just lives in his little bubble and i don't know it just i just wanted to give him a hug uh, yes, <laughs> that's what it was. I can't remember. Like, why? I just want to give him a hug. That's what it was. I just but wanted again, to give like, him a hug. It was just hard, though, because it's like you could, when you watch it, you can see the love there. Like, it, this, mm -hmm. everything the father's doing is coming from a place of love. There's no, we're not, we're not doubting his love. We're not questioning that. It's just, <sighs> it's just not mm -hmm. our style. I'm just going to leave it at that. 
Right. Sorry, Gemma moving has a lot to on. say right now. We're moving on Hi, to Gemma. another another fan favorite. Intensive. Discipline. Oh, intensive is next. Yeah. I'm Do sorry. Do not skip over intensive. Do not I, because we I have a lot to talk about here. Discipline. That's why. Okay, moving on to intensive. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take it away or do you want me to take it? I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. You got it? You got it? I got it. I got it. I got this one. (laughs) So intensive, much like high achievement, to be focused on working towards your goals. Motivation is to become excellent and to win. When they grow up and face challenges, they won't give up. That's the goal. They won't give up. Pushing outside of their comfort zone is how they learn. The child doesn't always get a choice in their activities and or how long they spend doing them. Yikes. So um, the example, I think this one is kind of obvious, is enrolling children in numerous structured activities to enhance their physical, cognitive, and social abilities. So wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. About that last thing, social abilities. I feel like in both high achievement and intensive, which are kind of similar, just maybe different in intensity, I guess, which is intensive. But um, where does the social ability come in here? I don't know. I didn't see any like focus on social abilities. I hate this style. Yeah. I hate this style more than I hate high achievement. Right. I, I don't see any value in intensive. I think it's abusive. I feel very, very strongly against this style. And Mm -hmm. this is based off of what I've seen from both shows because like this style was on the Australian version and this Mm -hmm. style was also on the U S version and both style. It was both parents. It was the same exact thing. These children are robots. Mm -hmm. They have no fun. And when they have fun, it's penciled in fun for like maybe little <laughs> 10 minute windows here or there. Scheduled like, in for 10 minutes. It's Let's just, have fun. it's not realistic. And I think on the US version, the mother was saying, well, you know, she's going to hate me now, but when she gets older and she's really successful and she's, you know, a doctor or whatever, and she's making all this money and she'll love me then. And nobody who's, who's successful ever looks back and says that they hate their mom. It's only losers and homeless people. (laughs) That's what she said. And I was just like, okay, first of all, rude. Second of all, um, hold on. Like there, you can be successful without destroying, like, okay, maybe she's successful, but she needs therapy the rest of her life now because she has all these issues. Like Mm -hmm. I, when they had the challenge, so they had one challenge where, um, where the child got to do whatever they wanted to do right for the day. Wasn't it like the yes day where they got to do whatever they wanted to do. And what this child chose to do was to go off in her room by herself and play, play a video game. Mm Mm-hmm. And her mom tried to come and sit and and whatever. She's like, "Mom, get away from me. Leave me alone." She right. just wanted to do alone. the chore that I'm because telling she's you to do. <laughs> overstimulated all mm-hmm. day, ev- from the moment she wakes up till the moment she goes to bed. Is she high honors? Is she scoring a you know like really high points in all these tests? Is she getting all these? Yes, she is. But like, I think right. I think she probably could still be doing that but having fun and being a kid and 
oh my god i just i can yeah, just go so, off forever i feel so remember, strongly against this style I know, I just, one yeah. of my biggest cringe worthy moments in watching the show was with the intensive parents and in the beginning when they were kind of explaining who they are and who their daughter is they were explaining that her iq is really high and that you know after a few months she was going to retest and it should be a few points higher and yada yada so basically this girl is like a genius and that's not up to her parents to decide that's just who she is and so this one challenge she sort of failed but like sort of didn't fail she failed well first of all it wasn't her fault yeah so it was an escape room that you yeah. couldn't escape. Like it was, it was right. designed to fail. It was designed right. that you couldn't, you can't escape it. Right. So it was, I think a, it was a trick. She was kind of successful because she was joking around and having fun, which her parents yeah, don't she was do. So, so much fun with it. Right. And then at the end of this, the cringeworthy moment for me comes when the dad goes, well, I guess Juliet isn't a genius. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> He said that, and like I think he was standing next to her. They were like on screen, and yeah. all three of them were standing in a row. And he said this right in front of her, and she didn't even yeah. bat an eyelash. So clearly, she's no. used to being told things like this when she doesn't do well on something. Mm-hmm. How awful! Yeah, it was like nothing. And they had the cringe moment for them. For me, was this one broke my heart for her. For her, so there was mm-hmm. um, a test <laughs> that was about stealing. And it was to see if, you know, the lessons you've instilled in your child, are they going to carry those when you're not around? And so it was one of the tests where is she going to steal the candy or is she not? And the parents, the mother was like, well, we're very confident that she's not going to steal because um, she's already learned that lesson. When she was younger, she stole prisms from a science fair or something like that. And the mom said that it was it was apparent that it seemed it seemed very um obvious that she was aware that what she had done was wrong and so for her birthday that was coming up i don't know how i don't know the time between when she stole the prisons to when her birthday was but apparently for her birthday um the only presents she got for her birthday were those prisms and she was like and that hit her pretty hard well of course it did bitch because listen like the way a child okay First of all, I was I've been a dog mom much longer than I have been a child mom. So excuse me while I refer to my pugs for a minute as I'm relating it to a child, but I feel like it's a little bit similar because a dog to my understanding their mind is the equivalent of a 2-year-old. So I'm just going to kind of use this for a minute. When a dog does something wrong, you need to scold them in the moment because mm-hmm. after it's passed they don't they're not connecting the dots they don't understand why they're being scolded it's already long gone in their head it's not making Mm. sense i feel like that probably rings true a little bit for a kid like Mm -hmm. you scold them in the moment you make sure that it's that you've addressed your point you know but to carry it out months later i'm assuming months Mm -hmm. later to make it so that then her birthday is also ruined something that's going to stick with her in her mind for the rest of her life. I just feel like that's abusive. I think that's just taking it too Mm -hmm. far. I think that's too much. That's way too extreme. It's intense for the intensive family. So I don't know why Mm -hmm. I'm surprised that it's anything less, but I just feel like, what is she learning from that? I feel like what would have been a more valuable lesson or punishment is to 
write a let an apology letter to the people who she stole them from and you know explaining you know why she's sorry and how she understands what she did was wrong that to me i think would be something that she would have really taken you're basically taking you're turning it into a teachable moment and you're helping her mm -hmm. grow from it rather than terrifying her from life you know like, mm -hmm. <laughs> don't take it, it on your way out because, you know right. like i just right ugh. it's borderline abusive for sure because the emotional trauma that this child is going through probably in the moment of that happening and then extending right. it out to their birthday and then they don't get anything else for their birthday and she's done so many amazing things to celebrate but we're focusing on just this we're one still focusing thing. on this negative thing exactly right. yeah. yeah okay so so let's not let's a fan along. of them no there's so many things we could say but we'll move along so to the discipline. next one is discipline um this one i was very surprised with because it's not well when you watch um the show on, on hulu the, the parent test um i was not expecting to like this style because traditionally you wouldn't. Um, but the discipline, or I wouldn't traditionally, maybe other people right. would, but discipline emphasis is uh, clear on boundaries and consequences for bad behavior from the parent test. If her daughter were to slam the door, then the door would be removed. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. Right. <laughs> I don't hate that. I don't hate it. I don't it. hate that. Um, so one thing that I really like stood out to me that I really liked. So my, so before seeing this mother's style on the parent test, the way that I always viewed discipline was just very strict, very, um, like we have all these rules and, you know, you, like there's a cause and effect for everything that you do and blah, 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 blah. And the way, the thing that I really appreciated from the mother on the parent test is that I felt like all of the rules that she had in place were for a reason and they were justified. And her whole thing was like, I'm going to be firm, but I'm fair. And so like, you know, she has a rule where she's like, okay, we have shorts. And if she bends over, I need to make sure that I don't see any booty. And if I see booty, then it's those shorts are too short. And when she wears a skirt, it has to be like, you know, can't be much higher than this part. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with those rules. And right. like their relationship was just so surprising to me. There was so much love there, so much respect. They had very much like a Gilmore Girls relationship. And like, mm -hmm. I loved it. Like it really opened my eyes because I think um, before the show, I really viewed discipline as almost kind of like a negative thing. Where I was right. like, oh, they're gonna put him in a box. It's not gonna work. But I think that you do need a level of discipline because all of her rules were in place for a reason is for safety and it was to ensure right. her daughter stayed in line and was safe right. and so that way when she wasn't around she knew that her daughter had good morals and um understood right from wrong and what she was supposed right. to do and understood her boundaries understood her limits and right. again it, it, it was a safety it was it's like a way yeah. of putting your child in bubble wrap <laughs> and so for this parenting style on the parent test i agree it was completely different from what we have seen in the other shows um and i feel like even though we didn't get to see her raising her to the True. age that she was on the show, which I think was somewhere in her upper teens, maybe. Cause I think yeah. she was in high school. She was like 14. Yeah. 15, maybe 14. just getting into high school. So she, yeah. there was a lot of parenting there that had already been done. So going off 
the behavior of the teenager and the respect level that she has for her mom and vice versa. I think that there must have been some blending of new age in that when she's setting the boundaries and she's setting the rules, the reason is thoroughly explained multiple times throughout her life. And in the example of say the shorts being too short or the skirt being too short, she holds her to the same standard she would hold to herself. And that creates a level of trust for multiple reasons. And like where my mind is immediately going is I wouldn't want myself to look or to be suggestive in public in any way, whether that be intentional or not intentional. So why would my daughter want to? So Mm -hmm. she's holding her to a standard, assuming that she wants a certain lifestyle for herself. And I think that just creates so much honor and so much trust and so much love. And it's evident that that's what they have. And Mm -hmm. I do agree. It's like the Gilmore girls, which is so sweet. It was fun to watch. It was surprising. That's the one that surprised me the most. Me too, for sure. Because you were telling me about it before I watched the show. And I was so confused after watching the Australian and the British shows. I was like, what do you mean you Mm -hmm. like discipline? I thought we were both in agreement that we didn't. So where did this go wrong? Where did I go wrong in explaining this to you? And then (laughs) you were like, no, no, just watch it. You'll understand. And I totally agree. I think this was amazing, but I, I do think if there's a little bit of new age now that she's a teenager, oh, for maybe sure. it wasn't like that when she was little, who knows? But yeah. I would love to Yeah, she's definitely wish... evolved. Yeah. yeah. And I won't spoil it, but maybe someday we'll get to see her raise someone. You never know. Yeah. You never know. So the next one is helicopter. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So... Adam gives me shit all the time. He keeps saying that I'm a helicopter parent and I'm trying to explain that I'm not a helicopter. <laughs> I'm attachment. There's a difference. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but helicopter parents pay excessive attention to their children's every move and experience. They're highly involved, overprotective parents who oversee every aspect of their child's lives, not trusting mm-hmm. a child's friendship choices, driving by their home to see where they live, um right well this might be really annoying to say this might be really annoying to say because i don't identify as a helicopter parent either but i think there's like a positive form of being involved in your child's every move and then there's a negative way of being involved in your child's every move and when they're infants and when they're toddlers sometimes their safety really does depend on us being at that level. But I personally, when I was reading the helicopter description outside of watching the show, um, it sounded really negative in that they're overbearing, they're over controlling. They want to tell them what to do and how to do it at every move. Mm-hmm. As opposed, And like the father on the show just kept saying everything was for safety purposes. And he just really put an emphasis on safety in general. And that's really what I took away from them the most. And I do think the safety part of helicopter parenting could be a positive thing, but the way that it's described when you Google it is an entirely different Mm -hmm. thing. So, so one thing that like, 
I really actually um, needed to work on because, you know, when I joke like, Adam says I'm helicoptering. Um, so in the beginning, and it's something that I wasn't even aware of, but in the beginning, I was um, very, 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 very much controlling over my baby. And um, I, I wasn't the type that I was like, you can't hold him. Like I embrace anybody that wanted to hold him. But when it came to like, you know, um, watching him for periods of time or like, um, you know, putting him down for a nap or whatever, like I was very much, I would kind of hover a little bit and be like, well, um, are they going to make sure that they go to his calls when he's crying? Are they going to, um, understand when he's moving a certain way? It's because he wants a diaper change. Are they going to understand when he's doing this, that he's hungry? Like, are they understanding when he goes like this is because he wants to be picked up? Like, are they going to understand these little things? And so, you know, when I was, I'd go to my mother-in-law's for a while to, to work from her, her home. And this is when she was first, you know, kind of getting to understand Hayden's personality and stuff. And we're just kind of like, I'm a verge, you know, her kind of like watching him. Now I just like leave him with her and I'm like, good luck, have fun. <laughs> but before I was very much like, you know, um, I was hovering and, um, I was trying to like be, I'd be working, but I'd be kind of like watching also. <laughs> right. And, uh, I'm sure she felt that. Um, but I wasn't realizing it, but I was also doing that to my husband too. Mm -hmm. And, um, like Adam would go up and be like helping, you know, um, doing what we call like daddy put down. I think we got that from Bluey actually, but we'd be doing, he'd be doing <laughs> yeah. his daddy put down and, um, I would, be upstairs folding laundry or I would be, you know, in the bathroom or whatever. And I just like, couldn't help myself, but I'm like, okay, well, um, is he giving, is he going to read him a story? Is he going to tuck him in the way that he likes to be tucked in? Is he remembering his worm? Is he going to give him mm -hmm. a little bit of grape water? Is he going to like just all these little things? And so, um, I didn't realize that I was doing it. And, um, I think maybe I did realize I was doing it, but I didn't really think that there was an issue with it until Adam was just like, you need to chill. You're hovering, you're micromanaging. Like you need to trust that like, I'm the father. Like I obviously want the best interests of her child, you know, at heart. Right. That's his grandmother. She, we're not, we're not going to do anything that's going to hurt him. And so that was like self-reflection for me when, and then I started noticing that I was doing those things. So then I, I had to learn to kind of back off a bit. Um, right. I will say it's a way less stressful when you do back off. It's like, oh, okay, that's better. Um, right. But yeah, so I think I was, so I was a little bit of the that you're extreme. talking about this and these exact examples of yourself and what you're doing, this might come as a relief to you, but it's something I forgot about, about attachment parenting is that for, again, the infancy through toddlerhood, that's still very much a part of attachment style parenting. What I was reading over the last few days um, when we were putting this all together was that attachment parenting for the very early stages of life, truly it's mostly the mom that's 100% in charge, if not the mom okay, and good. the dad. I feel so and much then, better about it. <laughs> right. So you still have a chance to like yeah. become a helicopter parent if you like, if they're past like the toddlerhood stage and like yeah. we're still like hovering in that way. But I don't see you being that way once Hayden is a little bit more self-reliant, you know? Yeah. It's just like he depends on us for everything right, right now, you know? He doesn't have his little voice. So it's like I feel right. like I have to I have to be there because, you know, I don't want right. any of his – it's like it's so hard for him to communicate. He's, he's still learning. Mm -hmm. And so 
the few ways that he is able to communicate, I don't want those to go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to encourage that communication. Exactly. So exactly. I want to make sure that I am picking up on his little nuances and his little behaviors and movements. Mm-hmm. And I want him to know that I am hearing him and I am understanding him and I'm right here to serve. Right. <laughs> right. And if, if somebody else is watching him, but doesn't know him as well as you do at his very young age, it is 100% normal for you to want to step in because no one right. else is going to, no one else is going to get and it. I wouldn't expect no one, them to. I wouldn't right, expect exactly. them to. It's not, yeah. it's not an expectation for my mother-in-law to understand that word that Annabelle just started saying at age two, you know? Mm-hmm. I will say just like a a good shout out to my mother-in-law. First of all, like she's amazing. I definitely scored big with the mother-in-law department. Um, But one thing that I really appreciated, so my sister-in-law and I both have very different parenting styles. Um, Like I said, my sister-in-law was all about the books. She has her own way. She's very structured, all about routine and schedule. And um, it like I said, it has to be that way. That's working for them. And then Mm -hmm. ours is just a little bit more fluid like you know yeah we're a little bit structured we have a a little routine in the morning but it's not it doesn't start at the exact time every morning it's some days he wants to sleep in some days you know what i mean he's up a little bit earlier we just kind of go from there and we just kind of go with the flow of things and um and so when my mother-in-law first started watching Hayden help me, helping me out with him, um, she was just like asking me, like she was just very interested and she wanted to know what our parenting style was. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, so when he cries, do you let him just kind of like wait a little bit? I was like, no, I answer his cry. Um, right. Like, you know, as he's gotten older, we have learned like some cries are just um, he, he's just a very vocal baby and some mm-hmm. cries aren't actually cries. It's literally just him. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Like before he falls asleep, you know? And so mm-hmm. she's even starting to kind of learn, but I was just really impressed that she, you know, understood it wasn't a one size fits all. She understood mm-hmm. that both Rachel and I have two different styles and she wanted to be respectful of that. And I just really appreciated that because, you know, not a lot of mother-in-laws, would have cared they would have been like i mean she's she's raised three beautiful amazing children so she obviously knows what the fuck she's doing but the fact that she didn't have that chip on her shoulder like i got this and she Mm -hmm. really wanted to know like really meant a lot to me so she's she's been awesome that's where he is right now actually he's with gam gam so they have a really special little bond it's sweet i love that (laughs) i love watching the bonds grow with the people that we do have watching them Mm-hmm. It's so, so yeah no that's amazing that's really awesome yeah I feel like the i feel like my mother-in-law is kind of like that too um but now she's been with annabelle for so long that she kind of knows what she can and cannot you know do with their together and mm-hmm. she definitely knows my preferences but one person in my life that really did that when there's a couple times that my aunt my aunt kathy has watched annabelle like overnight or something or if we needed to be gone somewhere she wasn't really overnight but like late into the night because i know she's okay with being up late at night mm-hmm. um and she really she asks me those kind of questions too and then she writes all these like notes and like little smiley faces and it's so cute and i just really i really love that and i really appreciate that with her too it's really sweet i love that um 
So I guess so, neither one of us are really actual helicopter parents. We've discovered that. Um, but well, what that makes helicopter... me feel so much better because I was right. just like, I'm, I'm not really right. helicoptering my child necessarily, mm-hmm. but I'm helicoptering everybody in his life. <laughs> yeah. So did we, I mean, I'm really glad that we, we really hashed that out and understood that. And yeah. it does make me feel better too, because I know Annabelle is still in a stage where she can't do everything by herself. And specific, like, so sometimes I feel like I'm helicoptering after watching the show, but then after rereading attachment parenting and what that is, I was like, oh, thank goodness. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I mean, no shame on helicopter parents who are doing it like fairly for their kids. And so yeah. did we read this, the, the description? I can't remember. Um, yeah. Yes, you I did. You read so. the description. Yeah, I won't put yeah. you through that again. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, so shall the we next move on? one, yeah, let's move on. So the okay. next one, traditional. You got this. Yeah. So traditional parents are basically, if you think the word traditional, the parents are in charge, the children obey. Um, but traditional households also like to bond and have fun. And you know, one of the examples of Uh, traditional is setting strict bedtimes. And this reminds me of, you know, back when we were watching like sitcoms when we were younger, not like the sitcoms of today, because not a lot is still traditional on TV today, but the sitcoms back in the day, I don't know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I didn't really. Oh my God. The TGIF lineup, (laughs) Full House, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. We're aging ourselves right now. Um, so much. Oh my god, so I much. loved it. Our shows but were like, so good. Our shows are better than their shows today. Yeah, yeah, I do a few of them, and now I'm drawing a blank of what I used to really love watching. But there were a lot of traditional shows that we liked watching, and they had the strict bedtime. And you know, the funny thing is, kids would be like sneaking out the top window, or like kids would be sneaking in the bedroom window, or you know, going out to parties and. Um, you know, stuff like that. That just, that reminds me of traditional parenting, mm-hmm. but there's still room for fun and bonding. Usually one of the parents is way more fun than the other, you know, that kind of thing. And you can kind of see it on the show parent test with the traditional family. They definitely have a lot of ingrained values from their culture, from their community, from their you know, just their family style. Yeah, I don't really have anything bad to say about traditional. All the girls too look like they just like you could tell they do they laugh a lot in that house. Yes, and I just so love happy. that. You can tell. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, the um I really love that you brought up like old school sitcoms because I didn't really think of it this way, but you're absolutely right. Like their style they're it's like, they're all about like, you know, we eat at the dinner table every night, no cell phones mm-hmm. at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Um, we dinner is at this time every night. Um, we are going to have family game night. We're going to have family TV time. We're going to have, mm-hmm. they do a lot of things as a family and mm-hmm. they put a lot of emphasis on the family and building up that family. And I remember like, it's like literally like your TV family, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like what it is. So I think that's kind of like why a lot of the sitcoms back in the day, you know, now you have like more of like modern family styles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I think that's why back in the day, like, that's maybe why it's considered traditional because like they put a mm-hmm. lot of emphasis on that style mm-hmm. in all of those, those shows. So I think that's, you know, for a while, that was the picture perfect style of, of what a, a family should be. Um, 
yeah, there's, there's a part of it that I, it's like, there's like a level of like nostalgicness to it. Is that a word? Right. Nostalgicness? <laughs> right. I don't know. Yes. I think well, nostalgia just that, made like, it a you, word. You know, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Just make it a word. <laughs> but yeah, that like is just really comforting, you know, mm-hmm. to, to that. Um, and I think that's what, I think that's where it comes from is from watching mm-hmm. all those, those shows growing up like step-by-step Step and, um, family matters mm-hmm. and, um, the wonder years, I never really right. liked the wonder years, um, but it would come on before like other shows. Right. That was like part of like the Nick at night lineup. Like, yeah. The older ones. Yeah. And I'm drawing a blank because so. while I did watch them, I watched them when I was like a little bit older. Cause my parents, my mom specifically wanted us reading instead of watching TV. So we'll get into that later. But, um, <laughs> Linda, I wasn't really, <laughs> my mom, Linda, uh, she wasn't, she wouldn't allow us to really watch TV except for like Rescue 911. So yeah. I didn't get to watch some of those sitcoms until they were old and playing reruns, you know? So I don't even, I'm drawing a blank, but I know that I watched them. <laughs> yeah. I probably watched way too much TV growing up. Yeah. That's I think okay. it's because Doris just didn't give a shit about me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> <laughs> just not true. I know. I feel like, I feel like. Watching it to some extent back then kind of built character, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's just, like, this level of character of people who were able to watch sitcoms like that when they were younger. It's kind of just ingrained in their values. (laughs) I like it. Um, So this next one, oh, my God, child-led. Oh, God. Yep. We can't skip over it, right? We can't. We can't. So child-led. So looks at the children to set boundaries in the effort to develop self-sufficiency. So an example, sandcastle. As an adult, you may set up a sand, you may set up a sand pit and direct the child to make sand, make a sandcastle. However, if the child plays with the sand themselves, they may make something else. Um, right. I don't know that I really like that example for this I one, but okay. Well, yeah, no, but I think it does go hand in hand with why I don't like child led. And so, yeah. and so basically my understanding, on our would, yeah, based on our opinion, based on our observations from the shows that we watch. So mm-hmm. I'm actually like, so one of the examples that I had, I have that just is, I think it was kind of like a, actually it's probably up there with like a cringe moment is with the goat cart, right? Like they had to go and drive for the first time. And I don't know how old this little girl is six, six years old or something. Mm -hmm. And she was like, literally asking her dad, show me, teach me. He's like, you got this, figure it out. And she's like, I don't even know which one's the gas. Show me, you can do it. You figure it out. Let's go. And it's like, okay, listen, I understand and I appreciate that you want the child to figure things out, but she's not born knowing. Like you need to at least guide her. You are the parent. You at least need to show her initially and then let her figure it out from there. But if you don't give her any parameters or baseline to work with, like you're literally just sending her off to be raised by wolves. Like, right. And I think it this kind of does go back to like, and that's kind of a more dangerous situation and we know how that ended and we'll leave that. We won't spoil that for you. Just watch it. But she dies. Um, yeah, she totally dies. <laughs> so I think it kind of does bring it back to the sandcastle example because the way I'm analyzing it is, so say I take Annabelle to the beach and I give her the buckets and I give her the shovel and I'm like, okay, here, Annabelle, go ahead. And she doesn't know that she can build something with sand. 
Right. I have to tell her she can build something with sand. I might not tell her build a sand castle, but I need to be but able to at least what, show what her what the bucket can do. It can right. it can pick up sand. It can make a right. mold in the sand. It can pick up water. You can dump water. Right. You can collect seashells. You can collect right. rocks. You can right. you have make to it give a them for, a starting yeah. point. You can't just be like, here's a sand pit. Put them down in it and expect them to know what to do with it. You have to teach your kid how to play, how to drive, how to do whatever mm -hmm. it is that they need to do in this world. And if you're not going to do that, then how far are they going to get on their own? Right. So. Yeah. I just, both Sonia and I were like, they're useless. I just don't, I'm not a fan of that style. Yeah, it was. I feel like, <laughs> and I almost is, felt is like it like, was abuse. I, in it, certain it kind points of, it, of the show, I felt, felt like, like it was. Yeah. I, and the thing is, is like, I think in some situations, I think um, letting the child figure it out for themselves is really valuable. But I don't mm -hmm. think that in every it, situation, it, no. Yeah. And they were literally doing it for every single thing. And I just right. I can't. So maybe this is one of the one of the categories in parent test, the US version that they actually did lean into their parent style. I think they did. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did for sure. All right. Um, you got the next one? Yeah. So the next one is negotiation, which I found out kind of originated from Dutch style parenting. Everyone has a say in the family, including the youngest children. Parents and children are equals. So they validate a child's feelings while encouraging them to look beyond them in order to grow and thrive. Um, for example, haggling at bedtime to stay up 10 more minutes so i mean i don't i can't i know and i don't hate the haggling for 10 more minutes thing that's just one little example but it's exhausting to think that we would be negotiating that every little thing can be negotiated right every little thing and sometimes children don't even know what they're negotiating about or the depth of what they're negotiating so i feel like before we can get to the stage of life of negotiating the kid has to kind of understand the world and how it works right i, I agree i absolutely agree with that uh, i just <laughs> i think this this parenting style negotiation actually had some of our most cringeworthy like our most cringeworthy moments of the knife test yeah, yeah the knife let's talk about the knife <laughs> do you want to talk oh about it because you brought it up to me so i know you have thoughts on this so they're doing a challenge it was the cooking challenge mm -hmm. and so it's a part where um the mom was like, okay, do you want to cut the onion or whatever? And so she hands him a knife or she was like, which knife do you want to use? And of course he goes to the biggest knife. First of all, how old was this child? I keep calling all the children six or eight. <laughs> I, don't even I feel know. like he was between five and six. Maybe he I was four. Like Maybe he was, he was, he was like, he was like four or five. He was tiny and he, he was, was young. Young. And so of course mm -hmm. he picks the biggest knife and the mom's just like, okay, well, it's the one that he chose. So we're going to go with it. And then he like, she starts kind of trying to show him how to cut the onion. And then immediately he takes the knife and he goes, Chucky, Chucky, <laughs> I'm Chucky. And he's just waving this giant knife around. Mm -hmm. And like the parents were like laughing about it. Mm -hmm. And like, they like, they eventually like, no, we don't, you know, I don't even think they told him no. Like they, they weren't really right. They like, were they scared of kept, him. They were they scared they were going to die. One. 
Yeah, they're scared of him for one, and they just like kept going with the challenge and mm-hmm. just kind of let him do it. And that's what I was like telling Sonia. I'm like, listen, like that's where I stop the challenge for a minute. Mm-hmm. I take that knife away from him so fast, and then I get down at his level and I explain to him why we do not do that, why that was creepy AF, and I never want to see that behavior again. Mm-hmm. You take a pause because listen, I understand you're on some game show and you're trying to win this challenge, but I feel like that was part of the challenge and you definitely failed. And oh, I need to take a pause sure to that. work in the safety <laughs> aspect. And then once we really got that, we really worked our, our way through that and mm-hmm. we understand the importance of safety and being mm-hmm. safe. And then we right. can go right back to where we're going and, and right. move forward. But I would have, I would have stopped that behavior so fast. Like, right. No. And let's be real here. Absolutely not. No. Let's be real. The negotiation parenting style might be entirely different than what we saw on this show because (laughs) what I saw from these parents on this show was that they were basically skipping over and ignoring, maybe subconsciously ignoring a lot of the things that the child was doing and saying. They were basically letting the child just like he was in charge. Everything right. he and did. And then the only thing I saw for conversation was normally something that they were going to try to bribe him to do. There was a yeah. lot of bribing happening with this family. And I don't think I ever heard the child speak up and try to negotiate, nor did I hear the parents encouraging the child to negotiate or educating yeah. him on anything that was going on around him. So I don't know how negotiation came in with these parents. And I think as I was watching the show, I was texting Jessica my frustration with this family because I saw a lot of bribing. I didn't see any negotiation. So I was like, how did they I didn't see any qualify these parents to be on this show? Because yeah. I feel like if you're going to categorize yourself as something, then we need to at least see a hint of that. But yeah, I didn't see any of it. I saw all bribing. And right. I don't even think the child understood what was going on. Right. He just knew that he was in charge and he was very afraid of him. So yeah, it was not good. So moving on. Um, the next one is strict. Strict. Do you want to take that one? Sorry. My earbud just fell out. So strict is, um, uh, regimented and high expectations. Disobedience is met with discipline, including a spanking. Parents may assign specific chores and there is no room for negotiation regarding what the chores are or when they are required to be completed. Mm -hmm. So the sound of this one reminds me more of (laughs) Australian and more of yeah. the British. The discipline Australian. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think um my my old definition of discipline was strict. Mm-hmm. It's basically mm-hmm. um right. I don't even have any thoughts. I don't I think this one kind of goes without saying, but we clearly don't approve of right. this one. We're not I I don't condone hands. spanking at mm-hmm. all. I'm not, I don't think that's ever a method that that should be used ever. No. I mean, I don't know what you're teaching the child in that moment. You're basically saying like, it's not okay. Listen, violence isn't okay. It's not okay for you to hit, but me as an adult, I am going to put my hands on you as a child in this moment mm-hmm. because I'm upset with you. Like, right. And you're literally learn, teaching them to, to hit. Right. 
And kids learn from what you do, not what you say. Mm -hmm. And it can sometimes become instinctual. So say that child is out in the world and one of their friends does something that they don't like. Say they tell their friend they want to do something and it's their way and it's their turn to be in charge. But then like the other kid says no or does something different. It If it's a reflex for the parent to spank or hit in any way, how is it not going to become a reflex for the child? Mm-hmm. It's it's a real thing. Kids do what they see. They learn mm-hmm. from what they see more than what from more than from what they hear. Aside from like the ABCs and like one two three, it's the real and world. And also they they mentioned this on the show too. You know, think about the times when you would be inclined to use spanking. It's mm-hmm. in the heat of the moment. It's when you're upset. Right. It's you know what I mean. So it's like, who is it for? Right. Who is it for? It's for you as the adult to get your anger out. It's not yeah. helping the child. It's doing nothing but damaging the child. And so right. it's like, take a beat, give yourself a minute, walk away, remove yourself from the scene. If it's that intense, you know, explosive or, or make the child remove themselves, make the child go to their room or something, you know, mm-hmm. in that moment, get your composure. And then let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> what just right. happened? Right. But don't, I do not believe in spanking ever. Right. I don't think no. it's ever okay. Right. Um, speaking of spanking, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to move into oh, yeah. the next one. Routine. Routine. Routine is creating structure that children can rely on all about the schedule to help them plan their day and keep things predictable, basically. So an example of this is you wake up and have breakfast every day at 6 a.m. and you're out the door by 7 Mm a.m. First of all, (laughs) so first of all, I can't imagine that. I can't put my head around that. In an ideal world, I probably wouldn't be up that early and out that early. But, um, but Annabelle, in my you know experiences, when she fell asleep at night. I wasn't going to be able to force her to fall asleep. Like if I put her down to go to sleep and she was awake, she was awake. She wasn't going to just, because it's seven o'clock at night, you're going to fall asleep now. And right now I'm going to exit the scene. That's just not like that kind of routine was never really realistic for me. So, and I never really thought that it, it would be, it just wasn't something that I thought babies would be able to do. Um, so I just kind of skipped over the whole idea of setting a specific routine and just knew that I needed to be out the door with her at whatever time I needed to be out the door with her in the morning. And however we had to get there, we would get there. And that was right. kind of that's how we are. That's yeah, what we do also. Yeah. Um, I just wait for Hayden to tell me when he's hungry and when he's tired. Like he, right. he's very good at telling me. And, and usually, honestly, it is around the same times every day, but it's definitely mm-hmm. not like we wake up at seven, we do, we eat breakfast at this time and we, then when he goes for his nap and then whatever, it's like, I don't really see the point in laying him down before he's ready to be late to lay down. Right. You know, like why have him lay there and cry or lay there not sleeping. Like mm-hmm. I'd rather him being stimulated and right, you know, playing with his toys and learning how to crawl <laughs> and, you know, being up and interacting. And then he rubs his eyes and he shows me that he's tired. Then it's like, all right, let's go lay down. And he goes right down right away. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the style that's like worked for us just kind mm-hmm. of like go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I know for some people they need it to be structured. Like if I had to go into the office every single day, like I grew up with more of a, like a routine, like it had to be routine. Both my parents right. work, both my parents went into an office. I had to go to daycare. Um, and so we had to be out the door by a certain time. I had to get up. That meant I had to get up at a certain time, had to have my breakfast at a certain time, had to get out the door. I hated it as a kid. Mm -hmm. I remember just hating it. Um, right. But that's what, that's what had to be done, you know? So I think for some households like that works for them, that style is a thing. Um, but for our household, that's just, it's not a thing right now. <laughs> and I right. don't think it's going to be a thing anytime soon. <laughs> no, no. I think just setting the standard of we need to be here by such and such a time. How long does it take us to drive there? Okay, we need to leave the house. Like that's literally my routine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how it'll be until Annabelle's old enough to understand, um, you know, how things work and also be excited about her own thing in life and where she needs right. to be at whatever time, you know, cause right now it's, we only have to go somewhere because mommy and daddy have to go somewhere. That's the only, right. that's the only reason. Exactly. So. Like if I know that, you know, for today, for example, like if I knew that I needed to be back at home at this time, then I'm like, okay, then that means we need to leave the house by this time. So mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, you know, structure. I don't be like, okay, well, that means like, I need to get him up at this. I need to do this, whatever. That just means that I'm going to get up earlier to make sure I get everything that I need to get done, but I'm going to let mm -hmm. him keep sleeping like he normally does. So I'm just going to shift my stuff around, but I try to keep him, you know what I mean? Like still doing what he normally does. So I don't disrupt, disrupt his sleeping patterns or his eating mm -hmm. patterns or anything like that. Um, right. but I just make adjustments for it. So that's right. how so far we've been able to kind of balance like getting out of the house at a certain time. Mm -hmm. So right. one thing for me that I've kind of learned is I, you know, before watching these shows, I was very much like, Oh, I think I'm just a hundred percent attachment style. And one thing that I've learned, um, I feel like this, especially the U S one, um, because mm -hmm. the Australian one was a hundred percent leaned in and in, in all these different right. categories. So it was kind of hard to see past things. The U S right. show, it's like, none of them 100% fully lean in. So like the discipline, the reason we like her is because she's not 100% disciplined. She's disciplined, mm -hmm. she's new age, she's a little bit of French. Um, you, so you have a little bit of like, all of the categories kind of categories kind of mix a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like the extreme, like you have the outliers, like uh, high achievement and intensive are obviously extreme. By the book. Um, but right. yeah, so one thing that I've learned for me is that, um, I really do love the values of the discipline. I do love the, um, the, some of the things that, um, come with traditional style. Um, I also love new age. So I think for me, it's just, I think it's just going to be an, a constant evolving thing as Hayden mm -hmm. grows. I'm just going to kind of take and pull from different areas. I don't think I'm necessarily following one exact style. I think I'm kind of just pulling from, a bunch of different styles and mm -hmm. we're just going to keep trying things as we go. And when we find one that fits for our family, then I think that's the one that we're going to, you know, fully lean into. But I think right now it's just, right. I think it has to be kind of evolving. I don't, you know, I think we have to be a little flexible with it. Right. I think for me, the end goal is that Annabelle is a happy, um, street smart, world smart kid. And that she grows up into a fully developed, um, independent person. And 
independent, meaning that she can get through life situations with her own knowledge or no where to find the knowledge that she needs. Mm -hmm. And so, however, we have to get there without being too strict and overbearing, still maintaining our relationship in a fun, healthy, friendly um, way. Cause I really love, like we were mentioning earlier, like the Gilmore girls dynamic of mom and daughter. Mm -hmm. And it can definitely go that way with mom and sons too. I really want it to end up that our relationship is that way with Annabelle coming out with a fully self-sufficient person. (laughs) So, you know, I think that's the end goal and we'll just navigate through as we go through all the different stages. Yeah. I want Hayden to be confident. Mm -hmm. I want him to be an effective communicator. I want him Mm -hmm. to know that his voice is heard. I want him to Mm -hmm. know that he can to how to stand up for himself. Um, I want him to, you know, excel in all that he does. I'd want, I want him to want to do well, not, not just do well because out of fear of disappointing us or, you know, others, I, I want him to want to do well and have that drive and know that he can do well and have the confidence there to, to back it up as well. So, right. Right. But I don't want to be think- a dick about it also, you know, I want to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> just don't be a dick <laughs> yeah so we'll check back on you in 18 cocky. years yeah. <laughs> yeah so when we're even like, more geriatric dick. just kidding right <laughs> hey by the way guys none of this knowledge helped one single iota yeah. so <laughs> everything just we were talking all of about this. out the door out the right. door <laughs> what's so. funny is i you know i said that i never followed like a book or anything didn't look at any books and stuff Um, And then I just kind of like gravitated towards what felt the most natural to me. Well, in talking to my mom, I didn't, I mean, I, I guess I kind of knew this, but I didn't really, but she apparently never looked at any books or anything either. Um, And her sister-in-law was all about the books. And at the time, Mm -hmm. I think it was like Spock or whatever was like Mm -hmm. a, a big one. And so, um, but yeah, so she didn't read any of the books. She just kind of just did whatever she felt was the most natural. But I think what she, what was natural to her was being a helicopter, Mm -hmm. helicopter mom. And, Mm -hmm. um, also, um, strict Mm -hmm. as well. I got some spankings. (laughs) Oh, I did too. Yeah. Both from Steven Doris. I got some spankings. Um, I had to keep my shit. I had to come correct always Mm -hmm. had to keep my shit in line. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely helicopter. She was, um, always there first on the list to chaperone to all of our, all of my school events. Um, Mm -hmm. she was just always there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hilarious. That's hilarious. (laughs) There she is. (laughs) Um, no, it's, it was good, but it was also like, there she is again. Right. <laughs> so right. definitely very much involved, definitely controlled or tried to control who my friends were. Um, yeah. Definitely, you know, try to control every aspect of my life the best she could until she realized she couldn't anymore. So mm-hmm. um, I think, I think definitely think helicopter came the most natural to her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I and think you were saying very similar. Yeah. So, Linda. <laughs> so we'll do a shout out to my mom, Linda. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk really, really, really nice about Linda because Linda is in heaven. Um, she passed away in 2014 and her birthday and you is know actually she would tomorrow. Your ass if you said anything bad. Yeah. Yeah. And she always comes so. to haunt me on her birthday and her birthday is tomorrow. So, so there's always something funny. Things. 
<laughs> yeah, all great things, Linda. Stay where you are, lady. <laughs> she does some crazy stuff on her birthday. I'm not going to lie. So, oh my God. Um, we need yeah, to do a so whole I, episode about that. I need to know. Yeah, it's greatness. Oh my gosh, it's greatness. Both my brother and I. It's <gasps> so funny. Wait, so, can you just say before you? Okay, now I need yeah. to know. What is she? Yeah. Just give like a quick example of like. What so is my she mom doing? always had like series of unfortunate events, just like back to back to back, and it was usually pretty comical. And on the first year after she passed away, and she always, whenever she would drive to go see me in another state her windshield would always get cracked by like a tractor trailer truck spitting a rock up at her windshield. And then, you know, like she would do crazy things. Like if somebody was trying to take something from her, she would like chase after them or whatever. Like my mom was like a really funny, really crazy lady, um, in a good way. Um, and so on her birthday, the first year after she passed away, I was driving, um, from Maine to Massachusetts for work and a tractor trailer spit a rock at me and cracked my windshield. Um, it was really good. And like maybe, you know, an hour later, my brother goes, you're not going to believe this, but I put mom's, uh, toolbox on top of my, um, on top of the front of my, the hood of my car. He was at a job site and he put his toolbox up on the hood of his car and somebody tried to steal it from him and they were running down the road with his toolbox. So my brother, started chasing after them. He chased them down, cursed them out, took his toolbox back or took my mom's toolbox back. And like, I was like, are you serious? You're really going to mess with me today, mom? Like this is for real. So both of us had one of her usual, typical everyday Linda life situations happen. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's just like random things will happen. And you know, she's been <laughs> gone for almost 10 years now. So sometimes you don't even like always notice it, but then you're like, Hey, wait, it's her birthday. And that just happened. So oh, I'll have to gosh. take note. I know. I'll have to yes, take note. Please <laughs> take, let me know. We'll, we'll report back in next week's episode of what yeah, happened. Yeah. Hopefully I'll have some good <laughs> stories for you. Um, but I was raised very similar to you. Our moms got along really well. Um, it took them forever to decide that they wanted to talk and chat and be friends. Cause we were much older when we met. So the helicopter part wasn't as needed, but um, once they finally did get together, they had a lot in common. Um, but I think in my toddler years, I can remember, you know, my mom was a ER nurse and then she went to intensive care and she worked overnights when I was born through, I don't know, maybe four or five. Um, so I don't have a ton of memory. Like nobody really has a ton of memory from that age, but I do have a few memories Um I know before I was five where my mom was just so loving, so caring, so doting. So I really feel, and I, she talked to me about how much she just really enjoyed our infant and our toddler years. And so I really think my mom was more on like the attachment style as much as she possibly could be except for her work schedule. But I know for a fact that as soon as my brother and I became more you know, self-sufficient and able to understand things, she became more of a helicopter strict parent. And it was, you know, she was, just, she was very out of fear and protection. Yes, and exactly. Just, you know, you know she, could, she knew she couldn't like coddle you as much as she mm -hmm. could when she was younger. And so that's probably right. just what right. became and most natural. Being an ER and an intensive care nurse, she had seen, seen everything you could possibly mm -hmm. see. Like we weren't allowed to 
put things near our face when we were driving down the road. Sometimes if we were driving in a snowstorm, we had to wear our ski helmets. Like, uh, stop. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Linda made us wear our ski helmets when we were passengers while she was driving in a snowstorm. I'm not shitting you. Oh my God. I wish I like, drove by your car because now we joke, we make fun Lunatics. of people that have just like, no, but Lunatics. now we like laugh at people that have medical masks in their cars and they're driving. Right. I couldn't imagine right. like driving just by and driving seeing two kids wearing ski masks. Yeah. Right. 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 But she was also in her own right. She was very much a daredevil. She just didn't want Brian and I to like ever get hurt right. in any way, shape or form. So do like we say, heard. Do as I do. Yeah. Right. And she most, <laughs> a lot of the times when we were old enough to understand, she would explain the why behind it, but they were horrific and I never want to hear any of those stories. So like. Um, but a lot of times it was because I said so. And then my dad, his whole side of the family is very European, like Finnish, um, German. I'm sure there's some French in there, but like very, very European. So very strict, extremely strict. And we were spanked and no mm -hmm. meant no. And there was no question as to why it was because I said so. And yeah. You know, <laughs> you just don't question me. I'm the adult. You're the child. Shut the right. fuck up. Go right. sit over there. <laughs> right. And if you don't, you're probably going to get a smack on the ass and you're mm -hmm. going to go to bed, you know? So yeah. like I got the strict and I got the helicopter, but I also know that we were nurtured very well oh, when we were. Yeah. Infants, I, you know, I, yeah. You know, I look back and it's like, I think every, every adult has a complaint about, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to have some kind of complaint about how they were raised and stuff, but the big scheme of things, like I think every family has their struggles and their own issues. And I think a mother and daughter relationship is just very complicated naturally. Mm -hmm. Gilmore girls, it's not, it's not common. It's very rare mm -hmm. that that's, you know, a thing. Um, that definitely was not my relationship with my mom. I will mm -hmm. say that we are closer now that I'm older, especially now that I'm a mom and I can kind of understand, I have a whole new appreciation and understanding for her mm -hmm. um and what she's what she went through and stuff and like when i look back overall like i had a great i had a great childhood i was always mm -hmm. happy i was always fed i never was left wanting i always had everything i could ever want or need mm -hmm. um some may say i was spoiled in in many areas um you know my mom and i would go have what we called our tea parties on the beach where we would have we'd bring like a blanket and like she'd make like little like tea sandwiches and we'd have iced tea and we'd literally have a little tea party on the beach <laughs> and that was like our thing and then my dad and i would have our thing where we would get on the four-wheeler and we would drive through the woods and there was this little like um brook it was off of um, the soccer river that like ran through the back of our house and i'd have my orange crush and he'd have a beer and we would just sit on this rock and we would talk and we would drink our you know drinks together and just have so it's like i look back and i have all these like wonderful moments you know what mm -hmm. i mean um and so you know yeah like i did get spanked when <laughs> i was being a little <laughs> asshole and looking yeah. back i probably deserved it in those moments even though mm -hmm. i don't condone it i no. think i probably deserved it in those moments some of those moments um i think they just did their best and i think right. any loving parent 
however, whatever parenting style and method comes the most natural to them. I think at the end of the day, they're just trying to do their best. And I think at the end of the day, the goal is to raise a decent fucking human that loves you and isn't going to need to spend the rest of your lives in therapy because you fucked up. Right. That's the end goal for everybody. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. This is a very long episode, guys. So hopefully you're going Mm -hmm. on a long road trip. But right. I think Hopefully that's this was entertaining it. for you. I know. I had fun with this one. I personally I like too. it. I'm sure we probably offended a lot of people. So right. feel free to shoot us an email. Tell us your thoughts. Yes. And if you have yes. any like conflicting views or you know, you don't agree with us, let us know. We want to hear it. Right. Right. We may not agree and with you, we, but we want to hear it. If, right. And if our person because you know, we only could really go off what we were seeing on the shows and what we were able to look up on Google. So if you have a yeah. parenting style that you feel like we majorly messed up describing, please send Tell that us. to us too. Yeah. yeah we want to know and we can definitely call that out in a future episode. I'm thinking about mm-hmm. on our website. I'm thinking about on our website creating like a, a suggestion box. that says, Yeah, suggestion <laughs> box slash send us your complaints slash all of the we things may here. or may not care but if it makes you feel better no i'm just kidding if it no, makes we'll you feel it. better we'll read it i'm i'm interested yeah. I'm, I'm truly interested because some of these right. styles i'm like how is this a thing you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i i feel like we might be missing something so mm-hmm. absolutely like childhood right. free range natural <laughs> please yeah. come forward if that's your mm-hmm. thing tell us why it works for you give us better examples um mm-hmm. i'm open to it like i said like i i want I'm not just stuck on one thing. I'm, I feel like I'm going to be continue. It's, it's an open door of mm-hmm. suggestions and, and different things. So mm-hmm. um, I'm all ears. If you have a, a better example or if we got something completely wrong, please absolutely tell us. Yeah. Um, so thank you for listening. Oh, be sure to tune sh- in next week. <laughs> I'll take it from here. Okay, go for it. <laughs> if you don't want to. So we'll be joined next week by our long, my longtime friend Abby Pooler um, as we discuss her journey of becoming a foster parent at the age of 39 and going through the challenging process of adoption. Um, so clearly she's a geriatric mama and I just recently realized that her wife, her life partner Emma is 47. So she was like, laughing They're real so hard geriatric right they, she they was like you want to talk geriatric, geriatric sonia you want to talk geriatric i'm 47 and i had no idea she looks amazing um but anyways is she that's gonna be next on the call week. too or is it just abby just abby she might be in the okay. background we might hear her say a couple of things if um, she wants to have her come on in that'd be really cool to hear from her too. I'll ask, but I always love hearing yeah. her commentary in the background. It's always in the really background. Funny. Is it a little bit more fun? Okay, <laughs> we'll just, really we'll just let it do its thing. <laughs> Maybe we'll have her shout it a little bit louder. But I will invite her if she wants to be on. She's more than welcome. Um, so I'm excited for next week. I can't wait to have Abby on. So follow, subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend. We need all the help and support we can get to get our followers in. For more info, you can check out our website at geriatricmamas.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at geriatric underscore mamas, on Twitter at geriatricmamas, and follow our group page on Facebook, Geriatric Mamas. And we also just made a Facebook page, which is Go Figure Geriatric Mamas. (laughs) If you have a topic or idea you'd like us to discuss, are interested in being a guest, or simply have a funny geriatric story to tell, you can email us at geriatricmamas at gmail.com. Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye.